You may be seated. Good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you this morning. Thank you, worship team. Um, man, I tell you what, man, we, we are blessed with some good leadership, aren't we, Coastal Church? Uh, you guys uh, left your chord charts here. That means nothing to me. So anyway, do me a favor, okay? If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me uh, to Galatians chapter 5, okay? If you don't have a Bible, it's probably uh, one in a chair in front of you. Uh, and take that out and turn to Galatians 5, verse 13. If you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? And then inside your bulletin is a handout. I really want to encourage you to follow along with me. Take some notes. Uh, it's a great way to prepare for your small group. If you're not in a small group, not too late, okay? I'd love for you to still join in with, with us during the Authentic series. Um, we start moving in this series to the so what. I, I wish that I had a, a pithy, funny, heartwarming story this morning. I, I don't, okay? Um, we're going to move straight forward. I want to tell you this morning, this sermon this morning is not about you. It's not about you. Uh, it's about the person sitting next to you, actually. Do you ever have one of those sermons where I'm preaching or someone else is preaching and you're like, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this, right? Have you ever had that happen? Like, there's nothing in the sermon for you, right? It's all for the person that's not there. I always laugh at that because I'm like, God's big enough to get them there if they wanted them there, right? Today's sermon's not about you. It's about the person next to you. In fact, do me a favor. We're going to do something really weird, okay? Um, look, look, look at the person next to you. Like, look around a little bit. Now turn around, look around. Like, like, this sermon is about them this morning, all right? In fact, do one more thing for me. This is get even weirder, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, this sermon is for you. This sermon is for you. And this sermon is for you. So you're everybody else off the hook, all right? But everybody else you turn to, it's, it's, it's for them, all right? Um, we've been building this sermon series, okay? And so this morning's sermon is, is an overflow of understanding the gospel. So I'm going to kind of assume that you've been listening for three weeks. <laughs> that might be a crazy assumption, all right? But I'm going to assume that you've been, you've been listening for three weeks, and we've been kind of building the idea that uh, to be authentic is to understand our original design. We've been broken by sin, and, and I've been talking to a couple of people this morning, and I've been, I've been overwhelmed this morning by the, the gravity and the devastation of sin, okay? And it, it, just, it just breaks everything about us. It breaks our culture. Uh, it breaks everything that God intended for good. And, but in Christ, we can be renewed and brought back to God's original design. And therefore, we can be authentic, okay? So everything we've been building towards is the understanding that Jesus Christ is our focus, and in Christ, we are made authentic, okay? And so that is the big picture of what we're talking about. But today is not about you. Today is about how, as we're molded into the image of Christ, we are then designed to give back and to serve others. You're a gift to the person sitting next to you. You have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities that God has given you to give to the person sitting next to you. You are intended by design to be, and, and part of being authentic is you understand that your life is now in Christ in offering to bless, give, and serve others. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 Paul writes this, he says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. 
you, you've been created, you've been renewed, you are now authentic in order to serve. You are literally, this verse says, you're freed from you. Isn't that good news? It's not about you. You're now freed from the disease of you, the disease of self. In fact, Paul, Paul here in Galatians chapter 5 says that the, 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 you, you, the reason you're created to serve others is a divine calling. There's a, there is a divine call upon your life. And you're, you're free from you, and you're free to serve others. I've been, I've been reading um, the biography. Well, let me ask this. Let me, before I say that, let me ask this. How many of you, and I, I want you to keep your hand up through each question. How many of you in this room have, either have or have had an iPod? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Hold it there, okay? How many of you in this room have an iPhone? All, all the hands up. If you have an iPod, keep your hand up. All right, my instructions are not very clear. If you have an iPod, keep your hand up. All right, okay. If you have an iPhone, raise your hand. All right. If you have an iPad, raise your hand. Okay. Your lives have been influenced by a guy by the name of Steve Jobs. Okay. And so I, I decided um, to read his biography. It's been fascinating to me. I'm probably about a third of the way through. So you're going to hear. I have two illustrations from his biography today. Okay. So, uh, but I mean, look at the hands that went up. That's how much this person has impacted our culture and our nation. Okay. So uh, now there's a couple, there's like two of you in this room, like, not me, man, I'm rebelling against culture. Nobody in our family has an iPad, you know, or whatever, but he's had an impact in our culture. And, and uh, Steve Jobs was actually, um, was actually adopted. And um, he, uh, at one point in his life as a young boy, he was coming home from school one day and, and uh, the little neighbor girl was making fun of him uh, about his adoption. And, and his parents never shied away from telling him that he was adopted. And so this little girl on the way home from school was saying, you know, your parents, your birth parents, they didn't watch you. That's what they, she told him. And so he came home, and he was a young boy, and he was in tears, and he went into the house, and he was crying. He said, my birth parents didn't want me, and his, his adopted father, who he considers his real father, looked him in the eyes, and he said, Steve, we specifically picked you out. I love that. And so the biography talks about how Steve Jobs had this, this kind of sense growing up that he was abandoned, and he was chosen, and he was special. And that kind of permeated his leadership at Apple. And so he kind of had this kind of concept. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, wow. Like, think about that spiritually speaking. We've, we've been abandoned and we've been broken by sin, okay? And then the God of the universe has chosen us for something special. I can look each of you church in the eye and say, God, uh, with the word of God behind me, God going, I specifically Picked you out. Isn't that cool? Church, you have a divine calling. Paul says you have been called. You've got a divine calling by God. You've been set apart by God in Christ. And, and so this Galatians 5 and the next couple verses, you've got to understand something about the New Testament letters to the churches. By the way, most of them, not all of them, but most of them start, especially the Apostle Paul, starts with the introduction of the gospel of Christ and then the so what. And the so what, by the way, is always directed to how we serve in a local church, which is mind-boggling to me when Christians say, hey, I'm a believer in God, I'm a believer in the gospel, I'm a believer in God's Son, Jesus Christ, but I don't want anything to do with the church. I can't figure that out. We might as well just lop off the back half of the New Testament. You, you've got to be committed to the local church to fulfill the writings of the gospel as understood by the Apostle Paul. 
And so the Apostle Paul, he, he says, listen, here's kind of the so what of the understanding of the gospel. You're now free from sin. You're free from self. And don't use your freedom on you. You're now free to do what God wants you to do. In other words, you're free from and you're free to. All right? Our freedom's kind of a two-way street. You're free from sin, but you're also free to serve. And so Paul says here, we lovingly serve others. In fact, the word serve, it's an, it's an uncomfortable idea, actually, in our culture. But the, the word serve literally comes from a Greek word, to, which means to be enslaved. You're literally, you're, you're enslaved to others. And I think Paul uses that term intentionally to be graphic so that you understand the obligation because of what Christ has done for us. We are now enslaved to serve others. I told you this the sermon's not about you. It's not about you. It's about others. Do me a favor. Look around the room again. You're here for these people. I know it's weird, right? But, but like you, this is the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you something. There's times, and I don't do it much in sermons because I get misty-eyed. I, I, I get overwhelmed. I look out in the room, and I'm like, this is the body of Christ. Like I look out, and I go, Wow. Jesus died for us. And he called us to serve together in a local church. And church, you, you exist now. You, you're free from and you're free to. You're, ex, you're free to serve other people. Your marriage is not about you. You're free to serve your spouse. Your community, your workplace, your home, your school, not about you. You're free to serve. And in your local church of all places, it's not about you. You're now free from and free to serve others. The Apostle Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I love the word use them well. It's actually the word stewardship. Stewardship for others' sake. Your gifts, your abilities. Peter reminds that each of us has a spiritual gift and we're responsible to steward them well. And by the way, God doesn't take this lightly. In fact, when I use the word steward, probably some of you uh, go to the, to the parable in your mind, the parable of the stewards. It's a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. And what's really interesting in the parable of the stewards, which again, I think a lot of you have heard this story, but it, it's, it's interesting in its context where it's sandwiched. It's sandwiched in between Matthew 24 where Jesus is teaching about his second coming. When he returns again, okay? And so in light of his second coming, he then goes on to say, hey, here, just to be clear, like, here's what your life is about. And so then in Matthew 25, he starts off by telling the story of some bridesmaids who awaited for the bridegroom, and half the bridesmaids were prepared because they brought enough oil to light their lamp, even if the, if the bridegroom returned in the middle of the night. And there were five that were prepared, and there were five that weren't, okay? And so the five that weren't, when the bridegroom finally came, they said, hey, can we borrow some oil? And the other five said, well, we don't have enough. 
tough, you know? And so, no, you're going to have to go. And so they were unprepared. And so it, that's the first story that Jesus tells to say, be, be prepared for the return. And then the second one is the parable of the stewards, right? And then after that comes you know, Matthew 26, where Jesus, Matthew, the end of Matthew 25 and end of 26, where Jesus talks about the, the judgment seat of God. You're going to give an account, and, 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 and at that point, uh, this, there will be a separation of what Jesus says, the sheep and the goats, the sheep to eternal life, the goats to eternal, eternal punishment, that's what he says. And so in the middle of that, he talks about the importance of stewarding and managing, and so the, 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 the parable of the stewards, which you know, uh, Jesus says there's a, the, a landowner who goes away, and he, he gives his, he, all that he owns to a couple stewards, he gives one five bags of silver, and he gives another one two bags of silver, and he gives another one one bag of silver, and the one with five bags of silver, he invested and he uses it well, and he doubles his, his silver, right? And so when the master returns, he said, you gave me five, here's ten in return. And the one with two, he said, you gave me two bags. And when the master returns, he said, you gave me two, here's four. And then the one with, that was given one bag of, of silver, what did he do with it? What's the Bible say? What did he do? Anybody know the story? Buried it in the ground, right? Didn't do anything with it. I told you today it's not about you. It's not about you. Let's talk about some of the things we're given to steward. All right? Let's talk about some of the things we're given to steward. Time. Hey, you want to know something crazy about time? I, I'm always amazed, like, at my ability to waste time. Right? Are you, are you ever amazed at that? Like, you know, you read people that made huge impacts in history and they wrote you know, 50,000 books by the time they were 35, and I'm like, I ain't nothing. I bet they don't know how to play Mario Kart. You know, that's kind of, that's always my justification, you know. Like, I, where did they find time to play fantasy football, you know, type thing. You know, we just have this incredible ability to waste time. But here's the truth about time. Like, it's a limited resource. We all have the same amount of it, right? We all have 24 hours a day. We steward. We, it's a resource, and we choose how we're going to use our time. In fact, in the book I've been recommending, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, I hope you've scooped it up. If you haven't, I think we still have some for sale at the Connect Center. It, it, probably my favorite section of the book was the part about time. It's very convicting. Like We, we have moments, we have minutes in how we use our time. We can use our time to get our education. We can use our time to be with our family. We can use our time to pursue a hobby. We can use our time to go to work. We can use our time to come to church. We can use our time to go on vacation. They're all worthy pursuits. They all have their place. They even all have their biblical place. But let me encourage you that, that we need to be thinking about time in the grand scheme of eternity. Like, you, the Bible says you're an eternal being. This, this period on earth is a short uh, the psalmist calls it a vapor, and it's brief. And if I'm understanding my Bible right, what we do with this time here on earth actually impacts the rest of eternity. Isn't that fascinating? It's a little bit scary, a little bit humbling. Let me make sure that you, let me encourage you this morning, right? Make sure you're giving your soul attention. You know, we, we live in a culture, man, that it, it, the last thing it wants you to do is focus on eternity and your soul and how it fits in that. I mean, I, in fact, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, you would say, I'm not a Christian, I don't know about this stuff. Like, like 
if that's where you are, like, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're even possibly investigating claims of Christ. But I want to encourage you with this. Don't lazily go through life without considering the claims of Christ. Because you're going to stand before him one day and you're like, oh, I just didn't believe. Like, you better really dig a little bit. Because time is of the essence. It's a limited resource here on earth. And, and, and according to the scriptures, the rest of your existence has something to do with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, let me, let me encourage you, okay? A lot of stuff I just listed. Serve your family. Go on vacation. Get a job. Get your education. Like, all of those things, they're good. They're actually good in and of nothing. In fact, the Bible even gives the importance, but they, they're all connected to eternity. How you steward your family and the time you have with your family is, has eternal consequences. How you use your job and the money you make for eternity is important. How, do you, how you use your vacation time. By the way, there's nothing wrong with a vacation. Like The, the Bible gives us a Sabbath. It's re- there's a place for resting so that we can be re-energized, so that we can re-engage with the kingdom. Does that make sense? But then, even a vacation, is, it's just a short season. <sighs> Catch my breath. And a lot of us see you think you're you think everything about you is to get to the vacation, right? That's why the week before vacation is always better than the vacation itself, right? How many of y'all come back from vacation? You're exhausted, you know, like man, you know. But your vacation is to let you Sabbath, if you will, so that you can re-engage in others and serving others for the glory of God. We need to use our time to focus on the things of the kingdom and on Christ. Church. And we steward our time. We make the most of it so the kingdom of God can be advanced and so we can invest in eternal things. Time. Your talent. Time and your talent. Each of you in this room has an ability, a skill set that God has given to bless others. Last night I, um, I got to go to the missions night and... Um, it was good for me to go because I didn't go on any missions trips, but one of my passions, and I, I sowed this seed in this church from the day I got here, is the importance of missions, you know, and, and, um, and it's, it was really neat to hear the testimonies of some that had gone for the first time, and, and I remember the first time I went, how it just reshaped my worldview, and, and, and these folks had a talent. They brought some things, and they, they used it in another culture, and, and to, to see how God used their talent in another culture. But sometimes we forget, even in this culture, in this church body, in this community, like our talents are given to us to serve other people. We have a, you have a spiritual gift that God has given you, and it is, that spiritual gift is not about you. That spiritual gift is, is given for the good of the body of Christ. And a lot of times we get ministry fatigued and we're like, we're done. And the reason we say we're done is you forget it's not about you. Now, again, there is a season of rest. I get that. I need those sometimes. We're, we're, we're finite beings that need to rest. But your spiritual gift, your talent is not about you. It's about others. That God has given you to serve and to bless others. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11, Peter goes on to say this. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself for speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ, for, through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. 
Even the Apostle Paul in, in the First uh, Corinthians 15 passage that Brian read, you know, even in the purpose of the resurrection, he says, you know, the resurrection gives us hope that everything we do makes eternal impact. God sees and God will reward. Your talent is not about you. Your talent in our lives will be poured out for others. I love sports. You know, the uh, coaches often, and those of you who have coached, right, there's a big game that's coming up. A coach will yell to his team, to his players, hey, leave it all on the field. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Like, leave it all out there. We're, you know, and, and then at least if we lose, we know we left it all out there. That's what coaches say. I love that. But, and, and, and the truth be told, what, what's that coach really saying? What he's, what he's saying is use every amount of energy you have to making this team successful today in this particular game to the final buzzer, to the final whistle. Church, let me encourage you with your time and with your talent. Like, wouldn't it be great if you stand before God one day and say, I left it all on the field, man. I gave it all. And my fear is for us, for me, for you, we're going to stand before the God of the universe. It's like, like I, I, the truth is my effort was halfway, right? And we have to be cautious because God says, man, I, your time and your talent is to be used to bring glory. It's for others to bring glory to God. Leave it all on the field. The third thing we can, we can use is our money. I know. Oh, no. Here comes the money talk, right? Do you know how much of your money you're going to leave behind? Let's say that again. Let me say that again. Because you've really got to get this in your head. Do you know how much of your money you're going to leave behind? How much? You don't take a dime with you. Now you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know that in this culture, right? And I'm not saying we should. Like God has blessed this culture materially. And, and, and again, blessings are not bad. I've, I've been in some third world countries where poverty is consuming. There's no glory in poverty either, okay? Um, but like you're not taking any of it with you. I'm not going to ask how many tithe. I'm not going to ask how many Christians in this room go, you know, I believe God so much that I'm going to give a tenth of my income away because I really do believe Malachi 3.10. It says if I tithe, God will bless my socks off. Like, I really believe that. I'm not going to ask how many of us really take God at face value on that. And I'm not here to make you feel guilty. What I want you to do is, is to engage financially with the kingdom. It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to give and watch God provide. Here's the problem with money and finances, and I do this too, man. I'm, I'm preaching to Sean Brown here, okay? Like, we think all of our financial needs depend on me. They don't. Here's, here's the cool thing about the sovereignty of God. Like, God knows how many children I have. He knows how much education they need. He knows they need a roof over their head. They know, he knows how much they eat and eat and eat and eat. And, uh, you know, so, like, he knows all that. So, if I understand the Bible correctly, he's going to provide for that too. Isn't that cool? Like it really does. And so like when it comes to things like money, like God's not, I wish God's not after our money. He's after us to use our finances to, to, as an opportunity to join him in the work that he's doing. It's just an opportunity. That's all it is. And, and I will tell you this, I, and this is a true statement. I have never 
ever regretted the money I've given away. Not one. I can't think of any money I've ever given away. I'm like, man, that was stupid. I didn't give that money away. Never. You don't know the money I've regretted the most? Investments I've made. Money I've decided to keep for me. Like, that's the money I've regretted. I can't believe I put it in that, man. That's, you know, wow, where'd that go, right? The money I've given away, I've never. So, which leads me to the point, like, what? I wonder why I don't give more of it away. Hmm? Because I, I seem to keep putting it in decaying assets. <laughs> Cars. Shoot, even how, like, you know, my age group, we were told, buy a house, man, it's an appreciating asset. Mm, nah, not so much, right? You know, and, and so everything, the money I give away is the money I've never regretted. story is told of an Episcopal priest named William Fry. He lived in Colorado. He tells a story of when he was <clears throat> a younger man. He gave some time um, to a young man that was blind but trying to get his college education. And so he, uh, he worked with, he, he actually every evening went and read, he volunteered to read to this student, and his name was John, and John was blind, and to help him get his college degree. And, and one day, this Episcopal priest said, John, how did you lose your sight? And uh, the, he said, well, it was a chemical explosion, I was 13 years old. This Episcopal priest, William Fry, said, well, how would that make you feel? And he said, you know, when I, when I first lost my sight, he said, I, I felt really helpless. In fact, I hated God. And uh, for six months, I never left my room. I sat in my room, and I socked. I ate in my room. I made my parents bring my meals to my room. And then one day, out of the blue, my father marches into my room and says, John, winter's coming, and I want you to put the storm windows up. I want them up by the end of the day. That's your job or else. And he stormed out. And he said, I sat there in my room. I thought, that's just great. My dad, I'm blind, and he wants me to go put my storm windows up. And so he said what I should, he said it, it crossed my mind to just sit there, but my dad was so intense and so angry that I thought I had to do it. And he said, he, John said, I went outside, and he said, I'll show him. Not only will they have a blind son, now they're going to have a paraplegic too, So I'm going to go out and break my back. And so he said, I went out, I felt my way around the garage, I found the ladders, I found the tools I needed, I found the windows. And he said, all on my own that day, I installed those storm windows. It took me all day as I felt my way through the day. He said, what's interesting is I didn't find this out till years later. My dad had taken a day off work and throughout the day was never more than a few feet away making sure I was safe. You know, when it comes to stewardship of our time and our talent and our money, God doesn't need any of it. He doesn't need any of it. Rather, he invites us to take an adventure with him. He invites us to join him in what he's doing, and he assures us, I'm never more than an arm's length away. I'm right there by your side the whole way. Here's what's interesting. Some of the harshest words in the entire New Testament are saved for the steward who was given the one bag of silver and buried it in the ground. The steward with one bag of silver, Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, Jesus says this in his parable. He says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, man, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Which, by the way, nowhere in the text does it say that the landowner is a harsh man. This is the assumption of the steward. I was afraid... 
I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some with interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But the, from those who do nothing, even the little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some of the harshest words in the New Testament was for a steward that didn't use his time, talent, and money well. An authentic community is where we lovingly serve. Literally, we enslave ourselves to others for the glory of God, for the good of man. Today is not about you. It's about the person sitting next to you. We have this season of stewardship, of resources that we get to use for the glory of God and for the good of others. Finally, last point I want to make, and we'll close with prayer. I want you to look at the attitude of an authentic community. <clears throat> I want you to look at the attitude because this it's it, it, the heart of, of how we steward our resources. Philippians chapter 2, 2, Paul says this to the church of Philippi. He says, then, Paul says, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. And I love that. Agreeing wholeheartedly. This means that your heart, your soul, your emotions are engaged to be a part of his church. Parents, as your kids get older, have you ever had your, your kids start fighting? I never know what to do with that. Besides stop fighting. But like, they know, I, well, the thing I hate is when they look at me and go, what do you think? I think I love you both. I can't decide, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, there's nothing worse than trying to step in between your kids, right? That's what Paul says here. He says, make... He's looking at his church that he's given to it. He says, man, make me truly happy, man. Work together with all of your heart. Be unified. Love one another. I hate it when my kids fight. I hate it when my church family fights. And I think God hates it when we're, we can't get along. He wants us to serve wholeheartedly. Work together, he says, with, in mind and purpose means in our thinking, in our vision that's been laid out before me by our leadership of Coastal, we work together towards its purposes. I think it's, by the way, it's one of the reasons I think we emphasize church membership at Coastal. And by the way, Pastor Andrew is going to touch on this in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to it. In fact, whenever I'm asked, Pastor, why, why does Coastal do church membership? The number one reason we do church membership, in my mind, is I don't really know how else to fulfill Matthew 18, which where Jesus lays out how we do church discipline, how we hold one another accountable so that we don't uh, run headlong into sin and ruin our lives. There's some accountability there. But secondly, I, I really do believe that the New Testament paints a picture that we, we're better together. We, church membership is about committing yourselves to the people that are committed to Christ. 
I'm not going to make you look around the room again. You've already done that enough, right? But these people, like we're committed to serving together. Membership allows us to work together. It allows us to work through some difficulties together. It allows us to celebrate together when God moves in our midst. It allows us to pursue Jesus together. It, it allows us to make Christ famous together. One of the reasons church membership is at Coastal so important is because we work together wholeheartedly in mind and in purpose. I don't know how else to fulfill Philippians 2.2 unless we really commit ourselves to working towards Christ, being like Christ, together. And so Paul says the attitude, man, we work wholeheartedly, we're unified in mind and in purpose. I told you I was using two illustrations from Steve Jobs' biography, so I'm sorry, okay? The other thing that I found interesting about his biography is whenever Steve Jobs wanted to recruit a high-level engineer or a high-level salesperson to help make uh, Apple uh, uh, a great company, is he would always approach them, and he would always use this line, and I love this line. He said, come and help us make a dent in the universe. Think about that. He didn't say, come and make a lot of money and you're going to get stock options. Come and help us make the Mac, the iPad, the iPod, the iPhone, right? He said, come and make a dent in the universe. You know where I'm going with this, right? Like, I, I stand here unashamedly this morning and say, look, you, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart, I've been saying this for the last three weeks, what do we do? We begin to love the things God loves. You want to know one of the things God loves? He loves his church. I'm not talking about these walls and this building. It, it doesn't mean anything. It's the people. He loves his people. And, it, and as a church, we get to bring a little bit of heaven to earth as we proclaim the gospel and we love on others, whether they love us back or not. And by doing that, we truly, I mean, the iPad's not making a dent in the universe. The gospel of Jesus Christ is making a dent in the universe, and we get to be a part of that in the kingdom of God. Isn't that cool? And so I stand here unashamedly this morning, and I say, today... Is truly not about you. Today is an invitation to be a part of something bigger than you. God placed these people around you to serve. You get to use your time, your talents, and your money to serve God and serve others and make a dent in the universe for the glory of God and the fame of Christ. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, what an awesome call. Forgive me, God, for the times that I get self-consumed. God, stir in our hearts. God, we have this short little season called life where we, we have the opportunity to engage with something bigger than us. We get to use our time, we get to use our talent, we get to use our financial resources, we use our spiritual gifts to love God, to serve others, and to make Christ famous. And in that, God, we're, 
we're authentic. We are who you have created us to be. God, refresh us this day. Remind us this day that every moment of every day is an opportunity. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, church, this is our offering time. If you are a guest with us this morning, thank you so much for being here. I really want you to know we are not after your money. This is just one of the ways that we worship God at Coastal. Uh, As a guest, I'd love to have one thing from you. On the side of that uh, bulletin is a tear-off. We call it a Connect card. If you would fill that out, uh, we just want to send you a thank you card for coming. Uh, Secondly, if you're here this morning and you have a prayer need, you'd like to talk to someone, you'd like to pray with someone. We always have our prayer team members. They're up here near the front, and uh, you'll know them by what they have purple shirts on. They would love to minister you in prayer. Third thing, okay, during our offering time here this morning, we're going to show a video clip of the up-and-coming men's conference. Uh, It's coming up the last Saturday in October. That's October the 25th. Uh, Men, really want to encourage you to go. Today is a big day to sign up. We've only got about 100 tickets. So if you have an inkling, go sign up and get your ticket, okay? Be one of the first ones to get it. It's October 25th. going to be an incredible conference. It's for ages 13 and up. Dads, bring your your young sons, okay, and do something together with them spiritually. Uh, So watch this video. Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. No weapon formed against me will be able to prosper. Who is he? Jesus Christ. The Son of the Living God. The problem, men, is men don't read their Bible. We are biblically ignorant. There is none righteous, no, not even one. There are no good men. That's why we need the faithful witness. A man steps into these moments. He rallies the family together, and he calls them to faith in the God of this book. Jesus began with a group of men. We're a group of men. It begins here.